Hey everyone, welcome to Savage to Sage, where we explore the evolution of entrepreneurs. In this show, we hear from leaders on the challenges and breakthroughs that have shaped them on their journey toward becoming a sage. Hey everyone, Kyle Maloney again on the Savage to Sage podcast. I am excited to introduce you uh, to my new friend, Kurt Kersey. Um, He is the founder of 3021 and has been running that company for the past six years. Kurt, welcome to the Savage to Sage podcast. Thanks for having me, Kyle. So yeah, it's so good to have you on here. And um, just to kind of let the viewers get to know you a bit more, can you kind of share with me kind of a concise bio, uh, the company that you founded and kind of the path that led you to where you are today? Sure. Yeah, happy to do it. I'll uh, I'll give a little bit of info on the company and then I'll, I'll share a little bit of the backstory. But um, so 3021 is creative marketing agency. Really how we're designed is to be an outsourced marketing department for small to mid-sized businesses. A lot of times in that, you know, 10 employees to maybe 250 employees, million bucks to 100 million bucks in revenue. Uh, You oftentimes have maybe one full-time marketing director, maybe a committee of a few folks in leadership that make up the marketing team. But you don't oftentimes have a full suite marketing team, right? And so if you look at like how big Fortune 500 companies are doing it, they got a team of copywriters, they have videographers, they have web development in-house, they have graphic design in-house, and they're still working with an agency to outsource some of the workload and everything that needs to be done to create a great... uh, run a great marketing game plan, right? And so small businesses, oftentimes, they might have kind of an idea or a vision for what marketing and branding looks like for their organization, but they don't necessarily have the expertise or the specific skill sets to get it done. And so our team is really built to say, hey, we're going to bring somebody that really understands the language of your business really well. We're going to bring a graphic designer. We're going to bring a web developer. We're going to bring a you know photo video lead and a strategist alongside your business to kind of form that fractional uh, marketing department for your organization. So that's 3021, the kind of storyline that as uh, as I'm sure a lot of business owners would share this, the storyline behind that is a bit of a winding journey. But uh, basically, the, the, the quick story was, uh, I was a financial advisor, uh, and just kept running into colleagues and running into for for myself, just a, a lack of support in the branding and marketing side of the house. What I would come to understand is the branding and house, a ton of sales training, uh, but not enough marketing resources and, and training. And so I started to kind of really dig into like content marketing specifically, social media marketing specifically, uh, and grew my practice there as a financial advisor really rapidly because I was doing things that a lot of financial advisors weren't to get kind of my story and my messaging out in front of the right folks. And uh, realized at one point or another that you know the financial advising career wasn't the long-term path for me, but I was really enjoying some of the marketing that I was doing and had some colleagues kind of raise their hand and say, well, if you're not going to be an advisor anymore, we'd you know pay you to consult on some of the marketing side of the house. And so started doing that really just like working out of a coffee shop and basically said like, 
sure, I'll do that because I don't know what I'm really going to do next, but I know I need to make some kind of, of transition here. And so did that kind of from a coffee shop for a little while. I was mostly focused on helping advisors leverage LinkedIn as a, as a platform. We still do a lot of work there today. But I had some of those advisors raise their hand and say, Hey, do you do websites? Because our website needs an updating, uh, an update. Uh, do you develop marketing collateral? Because we, we have this like pitch deck that we'd like to create or update uh, that we haven't touched in years. And, you know, as an entrepreneur, you, as a, as a savage entrepreneur at the time to harken back to the name of the show, it was uh, never done that before, but yeah, we do that. Of course we do that and go find the right, you know, the right partner that can help us, help us get it done. And, uh, and through a, a few different iterations of that, I just realized, gosh, I, I love working with a team. I love building a team. And ultimately, my role today, where there's eight of us full-time, including myself and, and a handful of contractors. And my role today is just put talented people in positions where they can succeed and get out of the way, right? Uh, so I've, I've, as I've gone from savage to maybe starting to become, say, on the path to sage, I think that's how my role has evolved, is just leaning into this... this um, this desire, this, you know, in my, in my world, a God breathed desire to put people in positions to succeed and get out of their way. And that's, that's really what the company boils down to today. You did such a good job of articulating kind of the, the evolution of all of that. So thank you for that. And you said that it was windy. It seemed pretty natural in my mind. <laughs> um, I mean, you didn't just go to start the marketing thing, but it just, to me, it seems like your your skills naturally progressed to starting this company, and there was actually a legitimate need there. You know, like uh, I think last time that we talked, absolutely. Why wouldn't a team, a small business to medium sized business, outsource these types of things? It just makes so much sense. Yeah, that uh, that was such a good summary. So thank you for that. I think the thing that lights me up about the work that we do, we we talk a lot about. Um, helping business leaders connect to the heart behind their work. And I think, you know, marketing and and branding at its best is understanding the business and why it's successful and what problems it solves for who so well that it's communicated so clearly first and then creatively, be that through the language that we use or the visuals that accompany that that language that it's attractive that like it gets people excited. And I think that a lot of business owners or business leaders get to a point in their career where they're maybe a little bored, whether they admit it or not. They're probably pretty burnt out in different seasons. And they've kind of like forgotten why their vision is so exciting and why their business is so impactful. And so when we do our job well, not only does the business grow and they acquire customers and clients, the right customers and clients, but also that business owner, those leaders are excited about their business again. They have a renewed vision, a renewed connection to maybe that original vision or an evolved vision for the business that we were able to like breathe some life into. Yes, totally agree. So I, you know, I was I was watching something on LinkedIn happen, a conversation happened just yesterday. And I wonder if this relates to you guys, but um, it had to do with kind of like because marketing, it's it's really interesting because you, one of the things that you have to do is you actually have to, you mentioned it, capture the heart of the business, you know? And I, 
And I think sometimes there's kind of a little bit of resonance or caution in the fact that like, will an outside agency get to the heart of kind of who we are or what we want to be as a business? Like, as you walk into those conversations, what are, what are some ways that you kind of like ensure like that you're kind of accomplishing those in reading a company well and how to market them? Well, I would imagine that would be critical for you guys, right? Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's interesting because as we grow and develop the team, that's something we're trying to figure out, like, how does that scale? <laughs> because it's one of the more like human intensive moments uh, when we first engage a client is to slow everything down, right? And some of our clients are like, we need a website and we need it yesterday. And our job is to like slow everything <laughs> down so that we can move faster later, right? But the the slow everything down part is so important because to your point, like we got to really understand the heart behind that business. And that takes some time and intentionality. I think ultimately it it takes setting aside really intentional time where we've done some homework on our own. We've done some research on our own about the industry, about that business specifically, uh, about their customers, some of their core customers or, or the clients that they're trying to attract to the business, some of their competitors, even really understanding how they're positioned in the marketplace. Uh, but then we're really trying to just ask a ton of open-ended questions and be really curious about the business is no different than what you're doing right now on the podcast, right? Like a lot of times we talk about those discovery sessions early on, and that's what we call them is discovery is it, it's really about like knowing so much about the business and how it was started and its history and why it matters and the founder's vision and the employee's vision, and maybe even some of the customer or clients, uh, uh, you know, engagement with the business knowing so much that we start to see some through lines. And the reality is like, we're probably going to absorb way more information, probably like 70% more uh, at minimum information than we actually need to market the business well. But that like 10 to 30% that we get that becomes like the through line uh, of what their messaging should really say, what we should be making sure is is clear on the website and their marketing collateral on social media in email newsletters. If they go on a podcast like this, like what are what is that drum that you're going to consistently beat? That you know, I, I joke with some of our clients all the time. Like, just when you start to get bored of saying the same thing over and over and over again your target audience is probably just now clicking that that's really your value proposition, right? And so we want... Marketing is a is a function of repetition. Uh, we want to put that message in front of the right people as many times as as we possibly can. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. And I like how like there's that coaching piece there, right? So you're bored saying it, people are just now getting it. You know, like there's so much of that, I would imagine, psychology into the marketing piece and how that interplays with kind of leaders and owners and those types of things that would be critically important, you know, for them to understand. So, okay, let's let's take let's take a step back a little bit and like, okay, so you're doing the financial planning, you know, and you're kind of like, hey, I, I think I want to do something else. Like what made you kind of, and then you were like, okay, hey, I'm doing something else that's really making my financial planning really successful. Maybe this is something 
But was there like kind of like a point where you're like, oh, I got to go after this, you know, I got to kind of go after this, or was it kind of just a natural progression to kind of start and find, uh, found 3021? Yeah, it's funny. I was listening to another podcast the other day and is kind of a, a serial entrepreneur. And he was sharing like this self-awareness that he had to say, like, my shelf life on a project is like five years. Like once I get to a spot where we're about five years in is when I start to get a little itchy and want to go do the next thing. And I, I would say mine is longer than five years, but uh but around, uh, like probably around that, like five or six years, like we're finding ourselves in that spot right now. And this business is like, I start to get like a little itchy about either this thing needs to evolve or I need to like, you know, hand it off to somebody else that can guide it from here and go on and, and you know, to continue to borrow the title of this. I'm really good at savage to sage. Sitting in sage is just not good for me. It's just not how, how I'm wired. Like I need to, I need to be able to get my hands dirty. I need to be able to like, you know, create something from scratch. Right. So back to the financial planning world, if you know anything about that industry, it moves really slow. There's a ton of compliance and bureaucracy. There's a lot of like mindset of like, this is how it's always been done. So we're not going to do it any different. And so like as much as there are some pockets of that industry that like to talk about innovation, there's not a lot of innovation in that, in that space or innovation takes a really long time. I should say there's plenty of, of innovative uh, advisors and leaders. But so I, I got to that six year mark and I just felt like, gosh, this is a great career. There are parts of it that I really, really enjoy. It's challenging in some great ways for me, especially as a young person. It was my first career out of school. It was really valuable, but I was, I was feeling kind of that itch. And as I reflected on that, I really felt like, you know, I, I feel wired to, I'm not a pure creative, right? Like, a, like I didn't grow up painting and drawing or anything like that. Like, but I've always had a creative bent to me much more than I had like a mathematical scientific bent. Right. Uh, and being in the financial planning world, I, I was leaning into that creative bent by leaning into marketing, by leaning into storytelling, by leaning into, you know, being the best at like client service and client relationship. And then kind of like knowing enough to be dangerous as a financial advisor and a financial planner and kind of handing that off to other folks that were way better at that uh, than me. And so it did just kind of click at some point of like, okay, I could like survive in this career by like scratching my creative itch in these things that are kind of like on the margin of the actual career itself, or I could just like go do those things full time. And it might be harder. It might take longer to find the same amount of success as I would have in the financial planning or wealth management world, but I'm going to be so much more happier. I'm going to be so much more excited and I'm going to be grown and stretched in the ways that I felt like I was being called to be grown and, and stretched. That's perfect. That's perfect. And so like, as you started, what were some of the things that were kind of like most surprising, but like kind of like the big, biggest personal professional test as you're kind of starting out, you know, developing, you know, 3021? The reality that I, that I really wrestled with for a while was that moving, making that jump from solopreneur to really committed to building out a team. There, there was a couple of years when I first started, you mentioned we've been at this for six years. I would say we've really been at like building the agency and building the team for like three or four. 
those first couple of years, it was me in a coffee shop, uh, partnering up with freelancers and contractors from time to time, but really kind of being like solo consultant, solopreneur, uh, kind of deal. And there was a time you know, the financial planning world, the wealth management world, it's really complex, right? There are a lot of moving pieces. You got to understand a lot of different things. It keeps you on your, on your toes. And when I first left, I really just wanted something simple. Like I, I was really attracted to a one man band and pull in some help where I need it, but just like keep this thing as simple as, as possible. And it almost felt like in reality, what I needed was I needed that simplicity for a season and I needed almost like a little bit of like a mental emotional break from the six years of grind that that wealth management career was. And once I got that, you know, I had built a good little, you know, solopreneur uh, practice and realized like I was kind of bored. And that really probably my best skill set is actually, as I mentioned earlier, like put people in positions to succeed and get out of their way. That if I kept doing the solopreneur thing, it would almost make me like too agile. Like I would just like jump from one service offering in one industry to another. <laughs> Whereas building a team has, has kept me committed to say, Hey, I have a responsibility to this team to really see this 3021 marketing agency thing all the way through to build great processes, to develop great relationships with clients to uh, really make sure that we're delivering on on a on a promise and not stop until we feel like we've really planted our flag in this uh, in this industry. Yeah. So I mean, you mentioned kind of. I actually really like that you've named kind of what you needed. You know, in between kind of the financial services and then becoming the solo, you know, solo entrepreneur to developing a team. And I, I, I really like that you named that. Like you just needed a a break, you know, and you know, a break of the complexity and those types of things. I, I'm really glad that you named it because I think that's really healthy. Um, and I, I can relate to that as well. Um, in just certain parts of my career, but, you know, can you kind of, you know, maybe unpack a little bit more of like, what got you to the point where you were like, you know, I really want to invest in a team. And this is why I value that, um, as opposed to just me. Um, and kind of what has, you know, kind of thinking about making your team succeed, like how that has impacted you um, and how, the, how you kind of got there with that. I'll caveat this with the phrase hindsight is twenty twenty is usually used in reference to like a bad decision, right? Uh, I also think hindsight is twenty twenty in that it all makes sense when we look backwards, None of it made sense as I looked forward, right? <laughs> so I wish I could say I'm like sitting in the coffee shop and one day was like, oh, I just need to build a team. Like that's what I'm called to and everything else is going to work out. And I wish I could say every day I wake up and go, oh, I'm so glad I built a team. <laughs> the reality is like, uh, I, I was just talking with my team recently, like macro level, I'm really excited about where the business is and where we're headed and what's going on. Micro level, I'm so stressed out and overwhelmed in this <laughs> season of the business. And so just being really honest, because I think sometimes yeah, you great. listen to business podcasts and it's like this, like, oh, I had this moment. And that's just not, we know that's not how life works. But um, <laughs> really, I, I, I will say we, we started to add team members truly out of necessity. Like at, at the time, my mindset was still like, keep this thing as small as we possibly can. 
like only hire when necessary. I'll still do a lot of the work myself. And kind of like the wealth management model, these small practices, it's like one or two advisors that are kind of like the show and then a support staff around them is how, is how they talk about it. And I would say I was still kind of doing that, that model even, you know, three, four years into, into the business. And in some ways we still kind of are trying to break out of that model actively now. But what happened was I started hiring people that would have been, you know, support staff roles and realizing, gosh, if I create some space for this person to get really good at this craft, we're going to add so much more value to our clients than we could if they were just stuck with me (laughs) forever. Like there are a few things that I do really, really well but I could never do what this person does really, really well at the level that I think they're capable of. And I think like I'm a person of faith. And for me, I think God designed us with certain skill sets and talents that if we really invest in those, he blesses that and expands that. And so I just realized like, you know, our, our first employee who's still on the team with us, shout out Zach Eklund. He, he uh, really came to us as kind of a jack of all trades creative, like photo, video, uh, and, and a little bit of graphic design. But mostly he was doing like photo video work. And he raised his hand at, at one point and said, like, I really want to get better at graphic design. I think I have some like skill set there. And so we said, great, like, let's start to create some opportunities where you can do some more graphic design and really lean into that. Now, like three years later, he is an incredible brand designer. And still does a lot of like oversight in our video photo landscape, but does all of our branding for our, for our clients and does an incredible job. And so I think what really flipped this long, long way to say what really flipped the switch for me, I could go through, you know, several other people on our team and say they, they had skill set here. We created more opportunity for them to flex that muscle and get better and better and better. And now they're, you know, in the top tier of what they do and continuing to, to grow. And I think like, I've just become addicted to that. Like I've become addicted to somebody saying, Hey, I, I think I'm pretty good at this thing. And I think if I were given the right time and resources and opportunities, I could become really, really great at it. And me going, yeah, I think so too. Let me help put the right time and resources and opportunity around you and kind of point you in the right direction. And let's, let's go make it happen. That's amazing. I mean, to me, that's just like, you know, you're believing you're investing, you know, all of that stuff and you're giving it fresh soil for that person to really grow and kind of raise up. Like, I mean, I know, I know I've been in situations like that before and it's so as you said, like kind of it's addictive because you get to see the transformation of that person. You know what I'm saying? And you get to see them kind of like move on to a completely different level. I I just love that. I just love that. And I think the thing that like, you know, typically what happens is if you, if you take an organization and you try to develop it that manner, you're kind of like, okay, well, okay, this person, we hired him for them to do this, but then they're doing this. Like, how do we organize this to fit? Like, like I'd be curious to know, like, how is that something that you've walked through um, as you've led the company? Yeah, gosh, I don't know. I would say we're walking through some of that right now. I, I think 
two things come to mind. One I learned uh, several years ago from a mentor and one I, I just recently uh, heard. The, f- the first is around hiring. And I had a, a mentor really early on when I was hiring my first employee in the wealth management world uh, say, hire the attitude, test the aptitude, train the skill. Hire the attitude, test the aptitude, train the skill. And I think one of the ways that we've found around that in small business land is if you hire good people and you cast exciting and true authentic vision and they buy in to that vision, most people are willing to, to stretch their role to a, to a degree without taking advantage of them, right? We try to be really cautious to not take advantage of that, that fact. But our employee that wanted to do more graphic design and has now become an incredible brand designer... He was still going on video shoots two years later, like up until very recently, helping out as a second camera operator on these video shoots. So like you hire humble, scrappy, grateful people that understand that you're you're not taking advantage of them and you create clear communication. And people are willing to say, hey, I, I, I'm not above doing some scrappy work if it means I also get to do work that's really fulfilling and 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 inspiring to me, right? Yeah, I like that clarification there. That was really helpful because I think sometimes the the tendency could be that it's like, oh, you need to kind of potentially fit what we kind of hired you to. But, you know, just kind of having that posture of service. One of the things, the mottos that I had from a previous employer was like, happy to help. You know, it's just kind of like, that was like the company motto was just kind of like, no matter what it was, happy to help, happy to serve, you know, kind of deal. Um, and that kind of permeated from the top all the way down to the bottom. And I love that, you know? And I think like that's an example of expectation setting, right? So like still in that in in, in that example I was sharing about our our brand designer, the, the other thing is like I set the expectation that he's just got an incredible visual eye, right? So his technical title on our team is director of visual development. And the idea there is that like, even if it's photo or video, his role is still to kind of have the final stamp of approval on like, is this actually like top tier work and push the rest of our team, anything that's related to, to visual design. And what I love about that is we set the expectation with him that like, hey, eventually we're going to be able to afford, whether it's contractors or full-time, some extra help on these video shoots. But in the meantime, like, we just, I, I want to move you more and more into graphic design. I want to elevate that role and we're going to. And at the same time, we need to just still be spending, you know, 10, 15, 20% of your time here until this date. And sometimes this date is like unknown date in the future. Keep checking back in, right? Uh, but sometimes it's like, hey, at least through this quarter or the end of the year, we really need you to kind of play both of those roles. And I promise like one of my priorities is getting the right person to backfill that seat. And I think as long as, again, you've hired the attitude really well, they're bought into the vision and you're really clear and set good expectations and you're grateful when they flex. Like I think a lot of business owners, especially with young people, uh, they, they feel like young people aren't very grateful. And I, I think like you lead with gratitude to get gratitude. Like if I lead by saying like, Hey, I, I recognize that your skill set is being underserved by being a second camera operator on this video shoot. And I'm so grateful that you're willing to do that, not just for me, but for the client and for our team. 
to play that really important role in the meantime. So thank you so much for doing that. Guess what I get in return? Oh my gosh, dude, I'm just so grateful I get to do that and work on all this brand design stuff, right? Now we're both grateful. We're able to high five and be excited about the work instead of feeling like, sorry, dude, that's just where I need you. Get get with it or get out. You know? Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Well, our time's kind of coming a little bit to a close, but I want to, uh, we talked a lot about kind of team culture just naturally through that kind of conversation. So I'm just going to leave that there. That was really great insight. So thank you for that. One of the questions, like a couple of more questions, um, and then I'd love to have you kind of share with the audience, like ways that they could connect with you, um, which would be great. But before we do that, what's something that you've learned during your evolution as a founder? Um, that you, like kind of sticks out for you, maybe that you've already shared, or maybe you want to elaborate on, or maybe something else. Yeah. Well, the first thing that comes to mind, I, I mentioned a minute ago that there was like a second thing that I just learned recently from from a mentor, and it's definitely like the season of the business and of just life that I'm in right now. He said, you know, if you picture a graph, like growth stair steps, complexity is parabolic, right? I, I just like that is so phenomenally true, right? Like we've been growing really consistently as a business. And so, you know, we went from three people just a year and a half ago to now, you know, eight of us, including myself, uh, full, full time in the business and four or five contractors. Well, like that growth was actually pretty like linear and manageable. The complexity that comes along with that growth, it, growth is exponential, right? And so, uh, that's also true in my personal life, right? My, my wife and I are been married for about five and a half years. We have a nine month old, uh, at home. And like, you know, we, we just added one more body to the household, but as you know, it's not just one more body to the household, right? Complexity just like went through the roof immediately. And so I think just like leaning into that reality in this season of, of business and life is, is really important to, to be, I think what I'm learning as I go is just being willing to say my head's spinning a little bit, but I feel, you know, my word of the year is capable. Uh, and that is really to encourage me to say the things that we're facing are not things I'm incapable of. They're just yet again, things that I've never really faced before. And we've proven that we can do things that we've never done before. It's hard, but it's actually like what I feel very designed for. And so that reminder for me is to say, hey, yeah, complexity is dialing it up a notch. And that's actually like right where I need to be to continue to grow as a leader. One question I've been thinking about adding questions to this podcast and one that's kind of been resonating in my heart. Um, as a leader, I, you know, there's definitely moments where you just feel on all the time. One thing is just to kind of like, where do leaders go for inspiration or what inspires them? Um, and I'd be curious to know kind of like, what are like a couple of things that like inspire you, give you, you know, give you fuel as a, as a leader, as you lead your company? Man, that's a great question. A few different things come to mind. I mean, I listen to a ton of podcasts. Uh, so there are several I love in that space. I love Craig Rochelle's uh, podcast. Uh, my buddy Jordan Montgomery does a great podcast. Uh, I listen to My First Million uh, is also an awesome podcast. Um, so I listen to a ton of 
podcasts. I kind of always just have like a podcast on in the background if I'm doing something. And like, I always like to like, people are always like, how do you listen to that while you're doing something else? I'm like, well, I might be absorbing like 20% of it in reality, but that's 20% more than I would have absorbed if it was dead silent, right? If I didn't listen to it at all. So, um, and I do find I'm attracted to podcasts where I really admire and respect like the hosts and how they're unpacking information and their delivery is, is really great. Cause it just gets me even like communicating in a different way just by listening to really great communicators consistently. I'd say the other thing is just like have good people around you. What, whether it's people, uh, whether it's mentors, peers, or people that you're mentoring and building into, like I'm really intentional about where I spend time. Uh, part of that is because like I spend my time all day managing a team and managing clients. That's a lot of people time. I know I probably come, I know that I come across as an extrovert. I'm really not. I'm, I'm a lot more of an introvert than I am an extrovert. And when I pour out that energy, like all day long to my team and to my clients, I a, need to make sure I got some reserve tanks ready for when I go home to, to my little guy and to, to my wife. Uh, but also then that means I'm really selective about somebody wants to do a happy hour. Somebody wants to do breakfast. Somebody wants to get coffee. Somebody wants to hang on the weekend. Like there are so many good people that I wish I could spend more time with, but I've kind of chosen, you know, the handful of folks that I'm going to be really intentional about getting time with. And that's sometimes in different seasons of life, all I have capacity for. Absolutely. That's cool. Thank you. That was, thank you for uh, entertaining me with that question. Um, Kurt, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? LinkedIn's a great place. I spend a ton of time still on that platform. I've met some of like our best clients and honestly, going back to that small circle of people, like some really close friends that I never would have met were it not for that platform. So I love LinkedIn. Uh, shoot me a message there. Let's connect. Uh, I spend a lot of time on that platform. That's honestly probably the, the, the best place. Obviously, people can shoot me an email. My email inbox is uh, a little bit atrocious right now. So if I'm slow to get... I will eventually get back to you. But if I'm slow to get back to you, you can shoot me an email at kkersey at 30, spelled out, 21, And yeah, I mean, our heart is to serve businesses that the world needs. So if you're building a business where you have a clear vision of what you're trying to accomplish... You're trying to communicate that vision regularly to your clients and your team. And you're, you're building a business that creates a great product and takes great care of people. And you have a marketing need. <laughs> then please reach out to me and I'd love to explore partnering with you. Kurt, thank you so much for being on this podcast. We really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, Kyle. Keep at it. Thank you for listening to today's interview. To view show notes or hear more episodes, please visit www.savagetosage.com.